Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you all for coming out today. My name is Paul. I am one of the pastors here, and just my privilege to be with you and uh, sing with you guys and sit with you guys and uh, be, be here. Um, I mentioned last week that um, <clears throat> when they, they broke into my car, I had a big, long story, all that, and they, they actually stole my glasses. I don't have my glasses. My prescription glasses are gone. And it was amazing, though, so I've gone last week without glasses trying to get new ones. Um, our youth pastor, Kurt, has gotten much better looking during that time. I can just simply tell you that. I don't know what that's, what that's all about. Hey, today we're going to start a whole new series that we are calling Those People. And we're calling it Those People because in our lives there's always what? Those people. You know, we always experience and have those people. Those people that can be annoying and those people that can be needy or dependent or critical or bigoted or or whiny and complainers. You know, have those kind of people in your life. In fact, it's the whiners and the complainers that I always like to, what, whine and complain about, you know, all the time. But we have those people in, in, in our lives. And, and now I'm thankful, by the way, that not everyone is like that, and you probably are too, you know, that not everybody is one of those people. In fact, you may be sitting next to somebody who's not like that. And, and if are, you are very, very blessed. In fact, right now, turn to that person and, and say that famous Jerry Maguire line, you complete me. Go ahead and do that. Now, now, now if you didn't say that, then turn to them and say, you deplete me. How about that? You know that? There, there are some people in life, and we know that they, they actually do. They, they build us up. You know, they, you go to them, and, and you are affirmed, and you're strengthened, and then there are some people that actually do deplete you. You're more tired after spending time with them than you were going, going into this, and you feel like they're, they're taking and taking and taking, but, but not giving. Now, now understand, um, as we're talking about, as we go through the next you know, three or four weeks of talking about this one, we're always going to come back around full circle to the very fact that while there are people out there that are like that, there's also another one that's like that, and that is who? That's us, me. We are all within us needy people, and God has met our greatest and our deepest and our best needs through Christ. And so we can't go into this with a chip on our shoulders saying, look at me, I've got it all together. But we're going in this together as fellow travelers trying to understand what this is all about. We're needy people, and God died for us. God loves us, and Jesus cares so much about us. And that's what we're going to kind of base this whole thing on. Take a second with me, would you, and let's pray. Let's just simply ask God to bless the next few moments. Lord, you are... um, great and eternal and forever and so loving to us through Jesus. And right now we want to learn to be better people for you and for those around us. And so help me, give me the right words to share and help us to be moved by you to get involved with those in our lives. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, I want to talk about needy people, needy people, those people that have needs. And there's several types of needy people. And Probably the first thing that pops into your mind are those that are financially needy. There are people in our world and our lives that are financially needy. I mean, we live in a monstrously expensive place. I mean, this place, the cost of living is just is just astronomical. 
And it's, it's expensive, and people get stuck here and need help. And, and, and like you, I don't always know what to do with people that, that need financial help. I, I just don't always know what, what, what to do. Remember the deadheads? Remember deadheads? Remember when the Grateful Dead was really big, and the deadheads would be traveling around in caravans? I honestly thought that they, as a species, were extinct. But I was pumping gas, and there was a whole caravan of them that came in, you know, and they're in the New Leaf parking lot, and there's about five or six cars, and they all came to me, and they say, hey, man, can you help us, man, with gas? You know, can you help us with gas? And I'm thinking, gas is $4 a gallon. Can you help me with gas? You know, because it's, it's expensive. Needy people, is, it, it's, a, it's a tough problem. Uh, California has between 25 and 30% of all the homeless in the United States or in, in, our, in our state. And um, I, like you, struggle what to do. But not only are there financially needy people, there are those that we'll just simply call emotionally needy. Okay, those are the emotionally needy. And sometimes those can be a little bit more confusing and more difficult to deal with than the former. And these are people for whom everything in life is an emotional drama. And they do deplete. I mean, they do kind of suck it out of you. They're always the victim. There's always a problem. The world is against them. You know, we have, we have kids here, and, you know, and, and kids, you're going to all of a sudden realize that while you have friends, they're needing you as a crutch in life, and, and they're always taking from you, but never really, really giving to you. And you'll realize, wow, they're, they're using me. And these are people that might be, as an adult, always in a career struggle, or a work struggle, or an emotional struggle, or a health struggle. And, and I know for both financially needy and, and for the emotionally needy, if I don't help them, I feel guilty. But if I do try to help them and I help them in the wrong way, I hurt them and I hurt myself. And so I'm stuck. And, I'm, 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 and we're stuck. Jesus tells me and tells us that you're to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, and we as a church family take that seriously. We want to learn how to Love people. I mean, love them really well and really healthily. Jesus says this is important, and we take it as important as well. And we know that our neighbor is not just the guy right next door on the other side of the fence that has all those cats. You know, it's not just simply that guy. But it's anybody that we connect with, anybody that's, anybody that's in your pathway is your neighbor. And we're called to love them, love them as we love ourselves. And if Jesus is going to give us the command to do it, he's not going to leave us alone in this. And he's going to give us the help to do it and the hope, and that's our theme for this year, the hope in how to begin to help them in, in their life. And, and there's one thing that, that we kind of need to get when we're dealing with needy people. I need to learn the difference between relief and restoration. And those two things are different, relief and restoration. Relief is immediate and temporary help. Immediate, temporary help. Remember the Paradise Fire? Of course you do. You know, it burned down the town. Some of you, some of you lost your homes there, or you have family members or friends, and, and everything was lost. And our church was great, and, and, and you guys were great in giving and helping, and, and we, gave, we gave relief, immediate and, and temporary help. Somebody says, I'm hungry. We provide food. That's, that's relief. And, and it's actually fairly easy to be, to be involved in relief. Restoration is different. And restoration is a little bit more challenging and a little bit tougher. Restoration is working with people so that they can reach their God-given potential. And those words are carefully chosen. It's helping or working with people so that they can reach their God 
God-given potential. It's working with them and in their lives. I mean, you've heard that phrase, you know, give me a fish and you fed me for a day. You've heard that one, you know. And it goes on to say, teach me to fish. And I'm worse off because I'm going to go to Bass Pro Shop and spend a lot of money. You know, you've heard that that phrase because that's what happens. Actually, it's give me a fish and you fed me for a day. Teach me to fish and you fed me for what? For life. Yeah, fed fed me for a life. Now, Now, giving a fish is pretty simple, you know, and that's relief. Teaching to fish is a whole lot more complicated because it takes my time and it's going to take my energy. Situation in the Bible that helps in the Bible book of Acts, and if you've ever read the book of Acts, um, um, it's after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then there's Acts, and Acts is a historical book, and it talks about what happened after Jesus' ministry here on earth. Okay, he died on the cross and, and rose again, and, and then he commanded the disciples before his ascension, look, I want you to start little communities of believers all around the world and tell people about me so that they can have hope and they can have eternal life and they can you know, live together and, and grow. And the disciples were part of it. Peter and John were part of it. In Acts chapter 3, it's kind of the whole beginning of this movement. And the Bible says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Okay? As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. The story's fairly straightforward. So far, a guy who is lame, he can't work and needs money to live. Now, he's done this all his life. He's, he's not stupid. I mean, he knows the most optimal place in which to be put down in order to beg. You know, it's right beside the temple gate. And if you're going into the temple to meet with God or connect with God or to worship, you know, you're going to feel obligated to give or you're coming out particularly, you're feeling really good and so you're going to give, you know, because you've probably heard a message about giving. Um, it's just like the Girl Scouts, you know, and their conspiracy to get rid of their cookies, you know, that. Have you ever been that um, hit by up by them? They, 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 they set up outside two places, the bank and Safeway, okay? Why do they do that? They do that because when you walk out of the bank, you can't say, I'm sorry, I don't have any money. They got you covered there. Or if you walk out of Safeway, you can't say, I'm sorry, I don't eat food. You can't say that either. And so they get you coming, and, and, they, and, they, get, and they get you going. Same way with this guy. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Of course, that's what he does. Peter and John looked at him intently. Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Pause here. Pause. Um, His whole life, people had given him what he wanted. What he wanted. He wanted money, and they had given him money. He wanted relief, and they had given him relief. Peter's going to shake some things up here. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up. He stood upon his feet, began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. A lot of dynamic that's going on here, but understand 
What Peter was saying is you take a step of faith. You work with us. You work with God. I'm going to reach down my hand. You've got to take it. And I can start to pull, but unless you do your part on this one, we're not going anywhere here. But what he said is, I'm not here to give you relief. I'm here to give you restoration. Restoration takes three things. It takes time, it takes truth, and it takes love. Okay? Time, truth, and love. And that's why it's a little bit more involved and a little bit more complicated than, than relief. Relief takes a check or it takes cash. Restoration takes time, it takes truth, and it takes love. And that's why it's so challenging for us. And that's why when we give a check, we, <laughs> we feel good but not good enough because we don't feel like it's gone very far. A lot of times we get frustrated because we end up spending a lot of time with needy people. But we, we don't share the truth with them. And as a result, they stay needy. You see, whenever we're with a needy person, time, truth, and love have to be involved in this or else they're never going to get changed. Nothing ever changes. Time and truth and love. Sometimes we'll share the truth, but we don't have love and nothing changes. All three dynamics have to be there and all three are an investment on our part. And these are real lives and real people. And, and this is why we are challenged by needy people because it's very hard for us to dive into the mess of their lives. But we have to budget time, we have to budget truth, and we have to budget love. And we have to realize the very thing, and we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper in a couple minutes, right here are symbolic of time and truth and love, right here. Three prayers for you and for me as God helps us helps us work with the needy people. First of all, here are the prayers. Um, God, help me give people what they need, not what they want. Difference, big difference, and, and, and you realize that. The guy wanted coin. They said, you need to walk. And people are going to tell you all the time what they want, and we need God to help us figure out what they need. And, and this is why I, I get so conflicted and unfulfilled when I give to a person on the street. I give to a person on the street, and I, I, I just don't feel good. I just don't feel good about the whole deal because I want them to be restored. That would be my goal for their life. I want you to live a happy, healthy life that's a little bit more productive. They don't want to be restored. They want what? They want relief. That's what they would want. And so what I'm giving to, what I'm hoping to give to, and what actually is being given to are entirely different. But if I don't give, I feel terrible. But if I do give, I feel lousy. And I want to say to them, you need restoration, but you're only asking for relief. You're asking for the wrong thing. Um, with emotionally needy people, boy, they just simply want to feel good about themselves. I get some odd calls here at church, you know, some, by some um, odd people. Not none of you, by the way. It's <laughs> the early service people. No, <laughs> Someone called, and, and she said, I need to speak to the pastor. You know, and I was just like, okay. And she said, are you the pastor? And I thought, if you're going to complain about something, I'm not the pastor. <laughs> you know, I don't want to know that. And, 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 and she said, you know, are you a Bible church? And I said, well, we teach the Bible here, yes. And she said, well, do you have Bible studies? And I, have, and I, and I said, yeah, you know, we have groups that meet throughout the week. We have great groups that 
spend time looking at the Bible. And she said, you know, right now, sir, you're not being very helpful to me. You need to help me. I'm thinking, okay. I said, I'm sorry. You know, how 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 can I how can I how can I help you? And she said, you know, you just sound like a very bad church, and you sound like a very bad pastor, and you need to get your act together. You know. And I had a great response. My response was going to be, oh yeah, well my dog likes me, you know, but she she hung up on me instead, you know, and so the conversation was over. And I thought, what kind of an individual? hurts so much, struggles so much in life that these kinds of calls somehow meet a need in in her life. What kind of a person is that? Because there are people in your life, and you know them, is I want you to spend time with me only because you are the one that makes me feel special, and you're the only one that makes me feel special. Or you didn't call me. Do you still love me? Do you still love, love me? And it's easier for us sometimes to just simply give relief, to have a 10-minute phone call with them and leave your phone on speakerphone while you're doing something else because you know they're going to talk, 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 and you're just going to uh-huh, 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 and then finally say it's time for me to go and hang up, than it is for us to involve time and truth and love into them. And it's sometimes very hard to say, you know, I can't meet all your needs. I understand that. I can't meet your needs. You have a God-shaped hole in your heart, and only God can fill it. Instead, we get off the phone and are drained, or we see that they've texted us nine times, and we go, oh, no, you know, oh, no, here it goes again. And the only way that we can ever stop that cycle is to love them enough to say, I'm going to involve myself now in time and truth with them. The Bible says this, we urge you, admonish the unruly, discourage, encourage, I'm sorry, the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Three categories of people, and then a fourth that kind of circles them all. The unruly people, there are people like that in your life. We're to admonish them. Admonish them means to gently coach and encourage them. There are faint-hearted, there are people that we need to actually encourage because they're scared of life. And then there's weak, and we're called to help the weak. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, is this person being unruly? What do I do? Is this person being faint-hearted? What do I do? Is this person being weak? What do I do? Have you noticed that not one of them says whatever category they're in, you're supposed to stay away from them and leave them alone? And then it goes on to say, be patient with everybody. Everybody be patient. Second prayer is, God, help me stay out of your way by not rescuing people from the consequences of their decisions or their actions. The Bible says this, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And we understand that principle. You're going to reap what you sow. If you've got a garden in your backyard, you know, if you plant pumpkins, you're going to get a lot of pumpkins. If you plant lettuce, you're going to get lettuce. If you plant Brussels sprouts, you what? You've wasted your time, okay, because they're really nasty, nasty things to eat. <laughs> but this, this is not about produce. It's about our lives. What you plant is what you get. That's God's plan. Don't be deceived. In life, what you plant is, is what you're going to get. And, 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 and my problem, and sometimes maybe your problem, would be I want to rescue people from having to reap what they've sown. 
if they've sown irresponsibility, I want to help them so they don't have to reap the consequences of that. And so there's a word for that. We enable them, okay? We enable them to be able to continually reap the non-consequences of what they have sown. And it's easy to do with their kids, you know? They spent the weekend, you know, doing whatever kids do in the weekend. You were there too, parents. And all of a sudden it's Saturday night or Sunday night and the project's due tomorrow and we do what? We spend forever helping them get it done instead of letting them suffer the consequences for it. Great verse. While we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Now he's not talking about the homeless out there. You know, he's talking about people within the church. He's saying, you know what, there's some people within the church that you'll have to say, I'm sorry. If you're not going to be working and being responsible, you're going to have to struggle with the consequences of that. It's so hard, though, for us as parents, as friends. But sometimes we need to say, I love you too much to rescue you. And I won't let you be deprived of God's principle of sowing and reaping. I'll be there for you. I can't help you with this. So hard. And the last prayer, and again, this is coming full circle. God, help me to remember that I'm also that guy. I'm also that people, that person. I'm also needy. The psalmist writes this, but as for me, I am poor and needy. Please hurry to my aid, O God. You're my helper, and you're my savior, and you will be that person. Um... I might well be, well be the overly needy one. And I need other people in, in my life. And together, we make this thing called, what Jesus would say, this is my body, the body of Christ here. Church family. As we encourage, as we admonish, as we help, as we're patient with all. You can help connect me to God in a way that I need. Um, the Bible says this about the early church, and this is a great statement. It says there was not a needy person among them. Not a needy person among them. Meaning people saw needs, and they worked not only for relief, but also for restoration. And I, and I want to say to you, as we're kind of shifting gears, getting ready for the Lord's Supper, Virtually every need that any of you have can be met by God through his people, the church, and also through who he is for you in your life. But we have to do our part, which is to humble ourselves. Um, we're all mutually broken sinners in need of a Savior. And when we realize that we're all needy, all on level ground, suddenly, suddenly we can be restored to God and to our God-given potential to be who Christ is made us to be and when we do that things change what we're going to do now um, here is um, we're going to show what God did to make a difference for us the time, the truth, the love that he spent when he sent Christ I told you my glasses got taken and so I have to go see the doctor, eye doctor, to get a new prescription, and we're talking, and he found out what I did, and he talked about the church that he goes to. He's not happy with it and doesn't like it, and 
And, and I, I said to him, you know, it's not the only church in town, you know. And he said, I know. And, and I said, understand, life is way too short to not connect with God. And that would be true for you as well. You know, life is way too short to not have your life connected with God, to be able to enjoy the closeness with him. And it's a real deal. I mean, that's why we're here. And maybe you kind of came in here and, and you're saying, what's this all about? I'm not quite sure I get it yet. Um, and that's okay, you know, because we were all there at some point in time. And we're all in process of learning more and more about it. But um, I mentioned the Lord's Supper, or you call it the Eucharist or communion or whatever you want to call it. Um, it symbolizes the time, the truth, and the love that God spent for you. Um, the bread that we will be taking symbolizes, as Jesus would say, this is my body. Remember, this is my body. It symbolizes my body. And what God did is he entered into time and space. And if that can grab your mind for about a billion years, he entered into our time and our space and walked among us as Jesus Christ. And he gave, entering into time, he shared truth. And then he gave us his love. How does he love us? The Bible says God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's what the cup symbolizes. Christ died for you. And Jesus would say, this is my blood poured out for you. The wages of your sin, my sin, everyone's sin is death. I can't pay for yours because I got my own sin and you can't pay for mine. We need somebody that's never sinned, and of course, that's God. And now we've come full circle on that one. And the worship team is going to be playing a song, and, 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 and right before I'm going to pray, and then while the song is being played, you're free to come forward or go to the back and get the elements of the Lord's Supper, and then just go back to your seat and hold on to them. We'll take together. That's what we do here as a, as a family. But I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Would you right now? Maybe your prayer um, this morning is, I'm, I'm the needy one, God. I'm the needy one. Um, I have sin, I have guilt, I have shame. And understand that God is in the business of restoration. God is wanting to restore you deeply on the inside and the way he does that. And he's told us that is through what Jesus has done for you. And maybe, maybe for some of you, for the first time, you're saying, I would want Jesus to walk with me. I would want God to walk with me in my life, for me, be with me. And God, right now, I want to open my life to you, my heart to you, my heart to Jesus Christ, to say yes, that I want my sins forgiven because of your love for me. And so God, thank you for hearing what we pray for and knowing our hearts. And we thank you that we can do this in Jesus' name.